Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Arthur Pearly Martin on the 9 a.m. podcast. Coming to you guys live on the 9 my 9 a.m. podcast, Arthur Pearly Martin, Biblical Principles for Daily Living. Thank you guys all for joining in on my podcast here. Share it, share it, share it, and remember to support us. Hit that support button and support our podcast. And um, also remember every morning at 9 a.m., be sure to listen in. Um, listen to us on Spotify at Arthur Pearlie Martin, Biblical Principles for Daily Living. Also, you can Google search me. Google, we're now on Google Podcasts. So go to the on Google search, uh, put Arthur Pearly Martin, and you're going to see the Google Podcast. Hit on it and subscribe to me there on the Google Podcast. We're on the Pocket Podcast also. So we're getting ready to jump in. We're going to finish up uh, where we started yesterday. Uh, we're st- we started yesterday talking about uh, how temptation works. We're coming from my book. Speaking again on how temptation works. How temptation works. How does temptation work? Where does it come from? We talked about, um, but let's just pause for a moment before we get started. We're going to pray at the beginning. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for being in the midst of us, Father. We thank you for giving us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying here on today, Father God. We just thank you, Father, that your word will land in good soil and that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish those things where it has been sent, Father God. And we just give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you all the praise. Right now, in Jesus' name, we pray. So we're just going to kind of recap some stuff, but you guys can go back and look at episode uh, from yesterday, um, part one. Uh, what we're talking about, um, how forgiveness, how uh, uh, temptation, I'm sorry, how temptation starts, right? I always say if you want to know how something works, always go back to the beginning of how it started, right? So um, we're talk- we talked about Genesis uh, 1, 1 through 7, um, we're about the first temptation uh, that was in the earth was Adam and Eve when Eve was tempted by the serpent. We started there, and we talked about um, how the enemy used uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life to entice her because these are the tools. These are the devil's devices. We talked about James 1.14, how, how temptation starts. What James 1.14 tells us that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drags us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to uh, death. So today, basically, I'm not going to be on here very long because we're just going to end it. This is part two of understanding how temptation works. Again, I'm talking some from my book, Understanding Your Own Issues and Other Issues. You guys can order my book on Amazon.com. Remember to follow us online at Facebook, Arthur Pearlie Martin Books, and on YouTube uh, at Gene Martin. Subscribe to my page there. So we're going to jump in and pick up where we left off yesterday. So once again, we said temptation comes when we're drawn away by our own evil desires. Um, And we talked about, so how do you change your desires? Um, By delighting ourselves in the Lord. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart. Right? And why is this? Because when we delight ourselves in the Lord, our desires will become His desires. And that's how we can change our desires. 
also by renewing the mind. We know that we must renew the mind in order to change the desires of our heart. We have to renew our mind. We, we have to put on the mind of Christ to have the thoughts of Christ, to think like Christ, because we all know that when we change our way of living, uh, our way of thinking, we change our way of living. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? This is what Romans 10, 9, and 10 tells us, that when we change our way of thinking, um, then we can change our way of living. Be not conformed. Be not conformed to this world way of living, this world way of thinking, this world way of doing things, because there is a wisdom that comes from the world. There's the worldly wisdom, um, which comes from our five senses, things that we can see, touch, taste, feel, and hear. And then we have the godly wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above, right? Um, the word of wisdom, the voice of wisdom. We, God tells us to ask him for his wisdom, and he would give it to us. And as, as believers, we should not do anything outside of faith. We should not be following after the patterns of this world. We shouldn't be just doing things because everyone else is doing it. Even if it's a good thing, we need to consult God and say, God, is this what you want me to do? Because those who are the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. And just because it may be okay for you to do, it may not be okay for me to do. You see what I'm saying? So as believers, our ultimate goal is to learn how to be led by the spirit of the living God. So when we're led by the spirit of God, those who are the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. So that's our ultimate goal is to be spirit-led, not flesh-led, not people-led, not worldly-led. In other words, we're not just doing something because everybody else is doing it. And God leads by way of peace. Okay, so when God gives you peace about something, because the peace that God gives us is not like the world. It's not from the world. The peace that God gives us comes from the Holy Spirit comes from him. The peace that passes all understanding, the peace that God gives us. We can't even understand with our natural five senses how in the world am I so calm when everything around me is falling apart. That's the peace that passes all understanding when we uh, we approach the Lord through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and let our requests made known unto God. From our First Corinthians tells us to be anxious for nothing. So let's make sure... Um, that we're being spirit-led. We're being led by the Holy Spirit because the devil, he wants to lead us into his evil way and the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into his good way. So one of the ways the devil lives, well, that's the way he leads us. He leads us by way of temptation. Some of us are tempted to quit. Is there anyone on here who's tempted to quit? Well, I want to exhort you, remind you, encourage you, don't quit. That God is still, God still has faith in you. I know he does because you're still here. Okay, he's still breathing to you, so God still has faith in you. So don't quit. Get back up and uh, continue. The righteous man may fall seven times, but he bounces back up and he keeps moving forward because, you know, we have a part to play. We all are part of God's plan and we all have a part in God's plan. So I'm going to get here. We're going to start here now. We talked about the, the devil's temptation. I mean, uh, Eve's temptation. Now I want to talk about the temptation of Christ. I want to take you to Matthews 4, 1, uh, through one, verses, starting at verse 1 through 11. It's the NLT version. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, 
tell these stones to become bread. Now, when the tempter comes, he's always going to challenge your faith. This is a test. You know, the Bible talks about how our faith must be tried, how our faith must be tested. The devil is the one who's the tester. He's the one who's the tempter. The Bible say, let no man say uh, that when he is tempted, that God is tempting him because God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone else with evil. So God can't be tempted by evil because the evil one, Jesus said, the evil one has no place in me. You don't, you have, because I wasn't born into sin, Satan. So you don't even have, I don't even have a sinful nature. So you don't have any, the evil one has no place in me. You, you, you're not, you know, you can't control my flesh. So, um, and because of what Christ did, the Bible tells us to sin no longer has no dominion over us. So what does that mean? In other words, we don't have to do it. We have a choice in the matter. It, we don't have to. It does not have dominion over us. So when we say things like, oh, I just couldn't help myself, that's a lie. Because the Bible says, because Jesus came and he redeemed us and he, he destroyed the works of the devil and he gave us another choice. He is the way, the truth, and the light. So we can choose him. We don't have to choose evil. The Bible says whoever we yield our members to, that's who we're servant to, right? So we yield our members to righteousness, then we're serving the Lord. If we yield our members to unrighteousness, then we're serving the enemy. So sin don't have no longer, Romans tells us, sin no longer has dominion over us. Meaning, the devil didn't make me do it, and I don't have to do it. I chose to do it because sin does not have dominion. Unless a person is demon-possessed, sin does not have dominion. We're talking about power and control. The devil can't make you do anything unless a person is demon-possessed. Okay, But um, we have control over our choices and we have control over what we want to do and what we want to say. You know, when the thoughts come to our mind, we just have to be sober and alert and understand that's not my thought. That's the devil, the accuser of the brethren, bringing that thought to my mind. That's why we have to think about what we think. Be slow to speak and quick to hear because when we're slow to speak, that means we're listening. And not only are we listening to what other people say, but we're listening to what's coming to our head before we say it. You know, the Proverbs say it's a fool that just gives full vent to his emotions. In other words, a fool that, well, I just had to say it. You know, I just had to speak what was on my mind. Well, sometimes you don't need to be speaking everything on your mind because we need to know, are those thoughts that's in your mind, are those God's thoughts or are they evil thoughts? Well, we can judge it by what's being said, right? So we don't need to give people a piece of our mind and we don't need to be speaking our mind unless it's the mind of Christ and unless God is telling you to say it. It can even be a God word, a good word, but he's saying not now. You don't need to say that right now. Why is this? Because God knows the condition of a person's heart. He knows of his good ground. He knows a uh, proverb say if you rebuke a fool, they're going to turn and hate you. So he know, you know, um, sometimes when the Lord is not allowing us to release a word, it's too because the person is pride, prideful. You know, their heart is set against God. And so God is saying, you know, the Bible tells us, he said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So I did a video on that earlier. Go back and watch it if you can. It says, is God resisting you? Because God will resist you if you're proud. God, The Bible tells us God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So sometimes when you're sitting around someone and he's not having you to say anything, it could be that he's resisting them because he knows the condition of their heart. So he don't even allow you to release the word. He already know God resists the proud. 
But those that are humble, you know, he, he gives grace to the humble. And we can't even resist the devil when we're in a state of pride. So the Bible says, so therefore, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to those that are humble. And then he says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right? So we have to be submitted to God before we can resist the devil. We have to be submitted to God before we can resist the devil. In other words, we can't walk with the devil and resist the devil at the same time. We cannot walk in agreement with evil and resist evil. It don't work that way. We have to pick a side. We can't, we can't, we are the hot or we cold. We can't be lukewarm because God said he'll spit us out of his mouth when we're lukewarm. We have to pick a side. We can't be double-minded and unstable because the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and he he don't need to think that he's going to receive anything from God. So I guess um, one of my challenges for today would be pick a side. Which side are you on? We can't have it both ways. Um, and when we're just try- when we're trying to do what we want to do, we're resisting God, and God is resisting you. We have to pick a side, and 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 there's no condemnation. But what I'm saying is, if you're having trouble picking a side, it's a, that's a, a double-minded issue because what double-minded is having divide a divided loyalty. When when I'm with the world, then I like the world. But then when I'm with God, with Christian people, then I act like the church. That's a divided. He said, "Don't you know that when we're friends with the world, we're enemy to God." We can't have it both ways. In other words, when we're friends with the world, we're not talking about people that's not saved. We're talking about there's the spirit of the world, the Antichrist. That spirit is against Christ. When we say greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world, what we're uh, that Antichrist spirit, that's the spirit of the world. There's a the Antichrist, the spirit of the world is against the word. It lives in opposition to the things of the world. The anti-spirit, anti-Christ spirit is the spirit that's against Christ. And we're just not talking about the anti-Christ himself. We're talking about the spirit of the world. The world lives in opposition to the word. We see it all the time. We see it on TV. We see it. And, and, you know, and this is what I tell people. Just because something is socially acceptable does not mean it's God acceptable. Just because everybody is, everybody is not doing it. People say, well, everybody's doing it. Everybody's getting high. Everybody's doing this. Everybody, No, everybody's not doing it. It's just the people that may be in your inner circle or the people that, in, you know, that you see and the people that you know. But never let the devil tell you that everybody is doing it. Because the truth of the matter is, you don't know everybody. I don't know everybody. So to say that everybody is doing it, that's a straight up lie. And we know that the Bible says that the devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. He gives birth. In other words, he, he carries the seed that gives birth to the lies. He sits, he is a perverter. He is, he is uh, deceitful because he is deceived. So everything that comes out of him is an expression of who he is. This is who he is. Like the Bible say, God is love. It don't, it doesn't say that God, it don't just say God loves for God so love, but the Bible says that God is love. And when we abide in love, we abide in God and God abide in us. And John tells us this. So God is love. Love is who God is. Okay. The devil is a liar. That's who he is. That's all he can do. So watch out. And, and, and you know, we say little white lies. That's a lie. No, a lie is a lie. There's no such thing 
as a little white lie. A lie is a lie. And it's so important that we stick to the truth because when we don't stick to the truth, we compromise. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. I mean, it's either the truth or it's not. And, you know, and, and don't confuse the truth with the fact. Because facts are things that can be seen. I mean, if I cut my finger, that's a fact. It's bleeding. I can see that. But the truth is, even though it's bleeding, that doesn't take away the fact that by Jesus' stripes, I'm still healed. You see, that's the difference between facts can be seen and truth must be believed. Because we must first believe that God does exist and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We, in other words, we have to believe in a God we can't see. Faith is believing in something you can't see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews tell us. So we have to believe in a God that we cannot see. And then we have to believe not only that, not only do we have to believe that he exists, but Hebrews tell us we have to go on to believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I guess uh, the question, I said all that to ask this question, do you believe not only that God exists, but do you believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him? Hunger draws the spirit of God to you. When we're hungry for the things of God, it would draw the spirit of God to you. Because he, he said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And, you know, even while I'm writing these study guidebooks, you guys pick up my study guidebooks. They're all online at Amazon. And they're Bible scriptures. They are actually Bible scriptures and they're asking questions. So um, he leads me to give them to people who's hungry. People who's going to actually get in there and study it. People who are studiers of the word of God. People who are hungry uh, for the word of God. He says, seeking you shall find. Are you seeking God? Are you seeking after the will of God, the way of God? Or are we just living life saying this is it? Are we living carnal? We're just living there, sitting there saying this is it. This is all there is. This is it. And that's why I'm bored because I'm not seeking after the Lord. We have a lot to do. There's no condemnation. Let's just, today is another day. So what we learn today, we get to do today. Yesterday's gone. Don't let the devil try to bring condemnation. Today is a new day. God has got to tell us his truth so we can be delivered from lies, right? So um, I'm going to see if I can get back in here. We're going to talk about how to, we're talking about how to overcome temptation. We have to walk in submission to God before we can even resist the devil. Remember how Jesus would always say, I only do what I see my father do. And I only say what I hear my father say. Well, Jesus says, you know why? Because God was Jesus, is his father, but he's his Lord also. So is Jesus your Lord? Because when Jesus is our Lord, he could be your savior, not be your Lord. It's a difference. Savior, he saved me and redeemed me from my sins. But when he's my Lord, that means I obey him. I do what he say. We become disciples when we're disciples of Jesus Christ. In order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, excuse me, in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, he has definitely got to be the Lord of our life. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? So in order for Jesus to be our Lord, we have to be obedient to what he say. When we're not obedient to what he say, I'm talking about on a daily basis. I'm not talking about falling down and getting back up. I'm talking about a lifestyle. When our daily lifestyle, when we live a lifestyle contrary to the word of God, the will of God, the way of God, um, Jesus is not our Lord. Jesus said, how can you, if you say that you have fellowship with me, 
but then we still walk in darkness, then we are a liar and the truth is not in us, right? This is what the word of God said. This is what the word of God said. If you say you have fellowship with me, but then you still walk in darkness, then you are a liar and the truth is not in you. Give me one second, please. So I guess my question is, pick a side and choose to walk in fellowship with the Lord. Because when we choose to walk in fellowship with the Lord, when we choose to walk in fellowship with the Lord, we can resist the devil. This uh, this is why I like to say, this is why I like to say, um, the submission, the power is released in our submission and not in the competition. Why is this? Because every time we do things God's way, it releases the power of God to operate in our lives. It gives him permission to, to uh, manifest in our lives. Uh, love is choice, not force. So God is not going to force himself into our lives. Okay. So every time we submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we do what he say. It allows his power, to, his promise to be able to manifest in our lives. So in the um, area in our lives, this is a good place to look. Those areas in our lives, um, it's the devil that tempts us not to want to do the right thing. Oh, you can do this. Oh, that ain't going to hurt. Oh, you can say this. Those are temptations. We're constantly being tested. And we don't even realize it because we're not paying attention to the things that we think. We're not paying attention to our actions and our reactions. And we're just thinking, oh, that's just the way I am. The devil is a liar. If you are a new creation, if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, which I pray everyone has, if not, we'll need to go to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died and he rose and you shall be saved. Um, but when we are saved, born again believers, we're, we're not called to live the same old way. I like to tell people, I don't know about you, but I didn't get saved to live the same kind of way. But the Bible said, tells us, he says, um, if you say you have fellowship with me, but then you still walk in darkness, then you say we are a liar and the truth is not in us. Um, when we talk about walk, we're talking about lifestyle. We're talking about lifestyle. You're talking about daily lifestyle. We're not talking about, that's in 1 John 1 and 6, he tells us. 1 John 1 and 6 says, if you claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. And do not live out the truth. So we're talking about living out. We're talk, That's the NIV version. So NLT says, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. This is First John 1 and 6. Um, we can just say uh, what he said. Then we go on to 7, First John 1 and 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the spirit and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. So, if we when we walk in the light, as He is in the light, because the devil is in darkness, then we have fellowship with Him. But when we're living a lifestyle of darkness, we're not living in fellowship with Him. We're living in fellowship with the enemy, because who we yield our members to, that's who we give a servant to. So, we have to. Um, I like to tell people. I said we need to resist. We need to rebel against hell. Let's not rebel against the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to rebel against hell. But the devil is always tempting us. When it's time to make choices, the devil is tempting us. He wants us to choose his choice. He is the tempter. 
He is the tempter. So here we go. I'm time to get, I'm time. To, I'm, I'm just going to flow with the Holy Ghost. But we're going to go back to Matthews 4 and 1 and 11. And I want to show you that the devil is the tempter. He is the accuser of the brethren. He always wants us to doubt God. Okay, so then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter, this is what this NLT says, the tempter came to him and said, who is the tempter? Satan. If you are, if you are always trying to test our identity, it's so important that we know who we are in Christ. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. This is warfare. He's using the word. I, I like to say we're in a word war. It's a word for a word. Now, this is Jesus' response. It is written. Man should not live on bread alone, but, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. This is, okay, so the first temptation is here. When Jesus said it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That was the first temptation of Christ right there. So Satan was tempting him with food because he saw that he was hungry because he had been fasting 40 days. So there we see, what do we see working there? That's the lust of the flesh. He tried to tempt him with the lust of the flesh because he knew he was hungry. Then this is the second temptation of Christ. Again, we're in Matthew 4. These are the three temptations of Christ. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. NLT, the second one here, is in verse 5. Then the devil took him in the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, you you're, this is what, if. He's always coming with the if. If you, he's always coming to challenge your identity. This is why it's so important that we need to study who we are in Christ. I have a, a study guide on that. Um, understanding identity in Christ. So Bible scriptures. Pick that up. Uh, it's, go, it's just going to help us to remember who we are in Christ. Because the devil is always coming to our challenge, our identity. Because if we don't know who we are, then we'll give into what he's saying, right? So he, he comes again. Verse 6. If you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will come. And then you, listen here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written. You see, the devil is quoting the word. We say the devil, yes, the devil knows the word. And that was what he said. That was real because, you know, he, he knows the word. So we have to be able to discern the voice so we don't get off into foolishness. Okay. So the devil came with Jesus with the word this time. And Jesus said, it is also written. Do you see the word word, a word for a word? He's casting down these evil imaginations. It is also written. Do not put the Lord, your God to the test. Even though God said that I did a video on that. Are you fleecing God or are you believing God? Quit testing God. God does not have to respond to our test. God, if this is you, then let this person walk through this door. That's a fleece. That's testing God. That's not ha having faith in God. Basically, what we're saying is, Lord, I won't believe you unless you show me something. Lord, I won't believe you unless I... Same thing that Thomas said. I won't believe you unless I can put my hole in your side. When we're fleecing God, we're testing God. This is what the enemy was doing. And, and, and Jesus came back and said... He said, uh, do not put the Lord your God to the test. We're testing God when we're trying to get him to do what we want him to do. 
Lord, if this is you, let this phone ring three times. That's called the fleece. Let's stop with that. We're in the New Testament. God wants us to believe him. He, you know, he went on and let Thomas touch the holes in the side. He said, but you're more blessed if you can believe without seeing. Why? Because what we're saying to God is when we're, when we're uh, giving out fleece, God, if this is my man, let him call me. You know, the devil gets in on that too, right? I think we tend to forget that there's a devil. So the devil can open doors in your life. The devil can uh, answer your prayers. You praying it out loud. Let this, John is a married man, but then you asking God that if this is your husband, let him come through the door and the door opening, he come through the door. That wasn't God because John is a married man. That's not your husband. I'm just saying, you know, we compare in everything. We compare everything to the word of God. He will never go outside his word. And though the situation and the circumstances may not be exactly the same, God has morals. God has a character. He has the fruits of the spirit. Does this fit in here? Is this honest? Is this true? Is this patience? Is this peaceful? Is this kind? Is this long? He never goes outside of his word. But the devil is shrewd. He's cunning and he's crafty. And he'll take a bit here and he'll justify. The devil wants us to justify our wrong behaviors. Well, God understands. The only thing that God understands is that we're not doing what he said. And yes, he will concede. This is this is the deal. When we when we know better, we're to do better. For him that knoweth to do good and do it not for him is a sin. Now, when we know better, God expects for us to do better. I'm trying to finish it up here. That's no longer, God no longer, only thing, once I have knowledge of the truth, we're responsible for the truth we know. Like, we're responsible for this truth that we're hearing today. Now we're without excuse. Where we didn't know before that it was a devil tempting us and not God tempting us, we're responsible. When we Everything that I'm saying on here, we're responsible for this. Everything that the Lord is having me to say, we're responsible for this. So we're going to go on down. So we see that the devil, he quoted the word back to God, to Jesus, because the devil knows the word. Jesus answered him, said, okay, so he, he said, but it's also written, do not put the Lord to a test. So we, we know not to do that. The devil is a tempter. Well, if God is real, then he, he should do this. And then again, the devil took Jesus. He took him on a very high mountain and showed him all that he can, he had. And then what did he say to him? He said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. How many of us, that is the spirit of the world. The devil operates through the spirit of the world. We see this all day, every day. If you bow down, how many have, how many were bowing down every time we compromise the word of God? Every time we compromise the word of God, we're bowing down. We're bound. How many have bowed down and said, the devil said, if you'll do this, then I'll give you all of this. If you'll, if you'll, uh, if you'll sell these drugs, I'll give you all of this. If you'll marry this man, cause he got a lot of money, then I'll give you all of this. I know you don't care nothing about him, but you know, I'm just, I'm forgive me for that. But what I'm saying is, what is it? What is it that we're bowing down to? Because whatever it is that we're bowing down to, that has become, we've given into the temptation and that's become our God. What is it? If, if you'll do this, then I'll give you this. Anytime that we have to compromise, anything we have to compromise to get, we're going to have to compromise to keep. If you have to compromise to get it, 
You got to compromise to keep it. I, I want to say that again. If we had to compromise to get it, we're going to have to compromise to keep it. Are there are areas in your life? What areas in, your, in our lives? We need to look at that. Because those areas in our lives where we're compromising and we're trying to get God to do what we want instead of us surrendering and yielding our will to do what he wants. I'm just going to sit there for a minute. So the devil, he, he, he took Jesus. He took Jesus to the top and he said, um, if you bow down and worship me, in other words, I give you all of this. What are we worshiping? Are we worshiping mammon? Are we picking money over God? I don't know. Are we picking jobs over God? Are we picking our kids over God? Are we picking education over God? Are we picking, I don't know, food over God. What is it? What is it? What is it? There's no condemnation because the good news is today is a new day. And if, and if for some reason we have bowed down and did what the devil asked Jesus to do, gave into the temptation, um, the good news is it's today is another day. Let's go on and read it again. Um, it says, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. Um, this Matthew's 4, verse 9 now. He said, I would give it all to you, he said, if you would kneel down and worship me. And this is the spirit of the world. This is the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is the Antichrist spirit. That spirit is motivated by the devil and his voice. And he's saying, if you'll just compromise a little bit here, then you can get this. Anything that we have to compromise to get, we're going to have to compromise to keep. If we have to compromise our faith in God to, to do something or to please someone or to get something or whatever, anything, every area in our lives that where we have to compromise is an area in our lives where we have bowed down to worship and given in to the temptation of the enemy. If you don't have sex with them, they're going to leave you. You know, um, people who's trying to be practice abstinence, uh, God is a keeper. But the devil, when you meet someone, the devil say, if you don't have sex with them, they're going to leave you. Don't bow down to that. Because if you, if they're, if, if, first of all, if they're tempting you to do that, then that's not God. That's the tempter. Because God does not tempt us with evil. Let no man say that when he's being tempted that God is tempting him because God cannot it says cannot be tempted by evil nor neither does he tempt anyone with evil I'm trying to get through this so the devil said came to him the serpent came to him in Matthews 4 and 9 he said I will give you all this if you if you'll kneel down and worship me if you will compromise if you will backslide if, if you would put me before God I'll give you all of this and then uh, verse um, then Jesus came back and replied in verse 10, Matthews 4 and 10. Read this story. I'm talking about, this is also the pride of life. This is this is the uh, temptations of Christ. The lust of the flesh was with the bread when he tried to get him to get, you know, eat the bread. Um, the lust of the eyes is when he took him up on the on the steeple and told him to cast, cast himself down amongst the stones and the angels will bear you up. And then the, this is the pride of life. 
he the, the devil will always try to get us to worship him. Pride, that's what pride is. Pride is the spirit of the devil. That's why Satan was cast down out of heaven because of pride. Proverbs says that pride will bring a man low. Isn't that what happened to Satan? Pride caused him to be kicked out of heaven down to earth. It brought him low. But pride brings us low in causing us to lose everything. That's pride. Thinking, because pride has us sitting up high. It's kind of like the judge. When you look in the courtroom, the judge sits up high and everyone else sits down low. And that's the position in the seat that we put ourselves in when we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. That's a dangerous seat to sit in. That's God's seat. That's not our seat. So let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so we can't resist the devil when he does come to try to tempt us with these things. And sometimes we get things and, I, and you know, I'm like, how does having this make you think that you're better than that person? I never understood that because I always saw things as things. <laughs> having a new car don't make you better than the next car. Having a bigger house don't make you better than the next. It's just a thing. I, I, I never could understand that. How things, having better clothes don't make you better than the next. Having better hair don't make you better than the next. I mean, these are things. They can't hug you, love you, pray for you, care about you. They're things. And when you take them off, that's all they are, things. This is why the Word of God says, set your affections on things above which are eternal. Not on things below. Because uh, they're they're temporal. They're going to change. They're going to fade away. But when we see people, people, boasters and braggers, people that like to boast and brag, that's the spirit of pride. It gives you a sense of uh, worthiness. And my, my value comes from my having this big house, having this good job, having this title, having this degree, having this husband, having, living in this neighborhood. This is where my identity comes from, the things I have, because this is what makes me feel proud. And so with those things, what we need to do, we need to boast and brag about our God. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that's going to last. If I was a millionaire, no one would ever know. Why? I mean, what would be the purpose of it? What's the purpose? Why? Because things, you know, God wants us to have things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching against that. But he does not want things to have us. Because when things have us, then that's our identity get caught up in the things that we have and not in the God that we serve. So we forget the Bible, a prideful person, they forget about God. They have the, he's not even in their thoughts because in their mind, they did this. That's why I don't teach self-confidence. I don't teach self-esteem. I don't teach none of that because the Bible says that we have to decrease so God can increase. It's not about us. It's about him. And if you are going to give testimony about something, make sure that God gets the glory. But um, let's not get into that boasting. That it just it, it just cringes me. It grieves me. It does something to me on the inside. When you get around somebody, they like to boast and brag. It just it's a, it just grieves the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that is connected to the spirit of pride. Okay, so let's be careful of that boasting and bragging. If we want to boast, let's boast in the Lord. And if we want to talk and tell what God did for it, make sure people know God did it. And make sure that your heart motive is right. Because sometimes we can just use the name, but for real, we're kind of undercover bragging and boasting. God sees and knows our heart. I'm trying to move on from that. So here we see the last temptation was pride. And so Jesus said to him in verse 4, Matthew 4 and 9, he says, if he, I'm going to go back to that. He says, I will give it all to you. 
He said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Here he was offering them the kingdom and the world. How many of you know that the devil don't own anything? Once again, he's lying. He wants us to look at things and think that he owns it. But the devil don't own anything. And that's why the, the um, ill-gotten gain, it, 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 it flies away. Anything that we get from the devil, we're going to lose. If, you know, when I say from the devil, what I mean, if we had to lie, cheat, steal, or kill to get it, then that, that didn't come from God. So anything that we had to lie, cheat, steal, or kill to get, it's going to fade away because it didn't come from God. So the devil don't own anything. He's not the creator of nothing except for his lies. And he, t- and even in that, he takes what's already been created and perverts it and twists it. He takes the word of God and take a word out of it. Isn't that what false religions do? They say, well, the Bible's not true, but yet most false religions are built, they take parts from the Bible. Isn't that what the spirit of perversion does? Isn't that what Satan was doing here, taking the words when he was tempted even the garden, taking stuff out of context, adding words in the context? If the, either it's all true or none of it is. But when you go start taking bits and pieces to make your own Bible, to make it say what you want it to say, that's the spirit of perversion. I'm getting ready to go here in a minute. I don't have much time left. Okay, I have 10 minutes left. But there, here we see the temptations of Christ. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Please go back and read Matthews 4, 1 through uh, 11, and you're going to see these are the gateways. These were the three gateways in which he tried to gain access into Jesus' lives. These are the three gateways in which he did gain access into Adam and Eve's lives. And so this is why we say, this is why we say 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, no temptation has overcome you taking you except such as common to man but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it there is no temptation such as common to man because Christ it's not common it's not Christ is familiar we have a high priest who's not touched by the feelings of our infirmity because Christ endured all these temptations he endured the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life Temptations. We're not talking about sins. We're talking about temptations. We cannot have a sin without have being tempted first. There's Without temptation, there is no sin. T- sin comes through the doors of temptation. These are the three doors in which sin comes from. The lust of the eyes. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. This, this is when we... These are the three doors. Without the lust, without the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and lust of the pride, there's not going to be any, t- any sin. So when the devil approaches you, he's going to be coming from you at one of these three angles. Us, this is how he comes to us. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, probably like, um, we're fasting. He shows a hamburger commercial. That's the lust of the flesh. Now I want to go, I, I, I want to go and get it because I'm, I'm, I'm desiring it. Because first he entices you. First he causes you to look at the fruit. Eve looked at the fruit. You know, so go back and, and, and I'm talking, look at your life. Every year in our lives where we're tempted or being tempted or have been tempted, it came through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. Those are the three doors. Let's guard those gates and let's recognize, be sober and be alert because our adversary, the devil, is going about looking for someone to devour. And we have to stay on the offense, the defense, because the devil is trying to come for us. You know, I'm not talking about being devil conscious. What I'm talking about is thinking about what we think. I'm talking about us renewing our mind. I'm talking about us living in submission to God. Because when we live in submission to God, then we can resist the devil and he'll have to go. It's not the temptation is not going to come. 
But I'm just talking to you about how to overcome the temptations by living in submission to God, by making Jesus Christ our Lord, by developing a love relationship, by delighting ourselves in the Lord. Because the more we fall in love with God, the easier it is to resist temptation. Because when you love some, I mean, look at marriage. We have people that's married. They're committed to their spouse. And one thing they will not do is they will not commit adultery on their spouse. They're committed to that. And that's the same way with Christ. When we're committed to Christ, when the tempter comes, excuse me. And because sin does not have dominion over us, meaning we don't have to do it. We, God has given us power and authority over the enemy. Okay, so when it comes, because that's what life is, choices. Temptations are choices. Temptations are things that the enemy brings to us and say, hey, let's do this. Hey, why don't you go out and do this? Hey, why don't you go and do this? Well, you know, he's always making suggestions. So we're dealing with them all the time. Temptations are evil choices. Evil choices are temptations. Okay, so when the choices, the evil choices come, then we, we say, no. Um, that's against what my father says. That's a, no, I'm not doing this. And the world call it morals. And the Lord said he, he wrote them on the tablets of my heart. Okay. But uh, life is choices, but there's no temptation which can, has overtaken you except what's already common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Jesus had to endure the temptations. He had to overcome all three of those temptations. Because the Bible says we have not a high priest who's not touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Jesus is touched by the feelings of our uh, infirmities because he did endure the temptations. He knows he didn't give in. He endured the temptations yet without sin. The Bible says he didn't give in to the temptations. We see he didn't give in to the temptations. But he had to endure it. He had to come and undo everything the devil did. He passed all the temptation tests. He passed all three. The devil had no place in him. He could not get him. He tried even in the garden, but he couldn't do it because he was living in lifestyle and submission to his father. But the Bible said we have not a high priest who's not touched by the feelings of our infirmities. But in all ways, he was tempted just like man. Let me pull up that scripture and I'm going to have to go. I'm almost out of time. I got like four minutes. Hebrews 4.15, read that. It says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So Christ was tempted through the temptation when he was in the garden. Um, that Matthew 4, read that. Those are the temptations of Christ. Those are three temptations he endured yet without sin. Hebrews 4, 15, please read that. So Christ can identify with us. He feels what we feel. He knows what it feels like to be tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and pride of life. But yet he overcame it. So God always gives us a way of escape when we're tempted. Remember, we just read that. With every temptation, God provides us a way of tempta- uh, escape. He won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. So we have to look for those doors of temptation. You know, when the, when Potiphar's wife tried to tempt Joseph, he ran. I got to go now. That was his way of escape. Take the way of escape. I'm going to end it here. You guys support us. Uh, Please share this message. It blessed you in any way. Keep looking for the good in your day so you can see God's goodness all throughout your day. Please go back and study. Please go back and study uh, these Bible verses. 
and know that the way we're going to try to see if we can summarize here the way to overcome the temptation is we first of all we have to um get that love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ by delighting ourselves in the Lord. We need to spend time in his word because God and his word is one through the process of Romans 12 and 2 renewing our mind. Cause when we change our way of thinking, we change our way of living. Right. And then we have to, cause when we get that, re- that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, cause our obedience to God comes out of our love for God. Okay. There's no condemnation. What that means is we just got to spend more time getting to know him that's how we develop relationships, right? By getting to know each other. To to make friends, you got to show yourself friendly, right? Well, to make friends also, you have to, we have to fellowship with the Lord. So we fellowship with the Lord through prayer, praise, worship, and by delighting ourselves. That's how we delight ourselves in the Lord. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy and pleasures evermore. So as when we get in the presence of the Lord, the devil cannot come into the presence of the Lord. So when we live in submission to the Lord, meaning that when we live in obedience to God's word, that gives us power and authority to be able to resist the devil because we cannot walk with the devil and um, resist the devil at the same time. So look at those areas in our lives. Every area in our lives where there's an addiction, stronghold, or bondage is an area in our lives where it's attached to a devil's lie and we're living a devil's lie. Find out what God's truth is so we can pull down those mindset strongholds. That is warfare. Jesus was doing warfare with the devil. Every time he told the devil, it is written. He was speaking the word. The only thing the devil has to obey is the word. Not our words, but God's words. Make sure your truth is God's truth. When we say, I tell the truth, make sure your truth is in line with God's truth. Otherwise, it's just your truth and it's not God's truth. Let's get in that word. Let's get in that word. I'm ending it here. You guys be blessed. Be encouraged. Join me again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Uh, connect with me on Spotify, hit the follow button. That way when I go on, you'll be notified. My YouTube page, Gene Martin. Till then, you guys continue to be blessed, be encouraged. Connect with me on Facebook, Rap Time Martin or Pearly Martin Books. You guys keep looking for the good in your day and order all my books. I have all these study guides on Amazon.com, Barnes & Nobles, Google search Pearly Martin. On that note, I'm getting ready to end it because we're getting ready to be off. And you guys... Till next time, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Keep looking for the good in your day so you can see God's goodness all throughout your day.